it is um, great to be back. It's in, in many ways, Walt and I were talking, it feels like we've been gone months. And I guess maybe part of that reason is that we did miss two Sundays. And thank you, Karen, and thank you. Where did she go? Oh, you, you hide away so well. Thank you, Caroline, for uh, leading the groups while we were while we were away. We did pray for you on Sundays. One of the neat things is that going that way, we're we're seven hours ahead, so or five hours ahead, excuse me. So we're able to pray for you before you actually have your service, or while you're having your service at any rate. So uh, rest assured that you were prayed for. I guess as a disclaimer, I would like to say first thank you to Renovation Church for allowing us to go. Uh, I have served in places before where it was impossible for uh, two pastors to leave at the same time because they thought the church would fall apart. Uh, Walt and I had every uh, assurance that the leadership team here is a strong leadership team. Anybody can come and stand here and do what we do on Sunday morning. And uh, they're just that talented. They're that committed. They're that uh, um, on the same page with us that we don't have to worry about uh, leaving the church to somebody else. So thank you for allowing us to do that. Also, uh, we need to report that very little money was spent from Renovation Church. Walt and I flew standby on two different... He left Myrtle Beach, I left Raleigh. Uh, so we were on standby, not knowing whether or not we would get on the flight or not to the last minute, which is always very exciting. Uh, one of us, I won't... Uh, I'll tell you, it wasn't me, uh, flew first class because of standby. Um, I was in the back of the plane, on, on a plane that... Uh, we got to like New York and suddenly all the restrooms decided they would not work. So we didn't have toilets all the way across the Atlantic. 230 people on the plane and not a toilet. It was a, it was a blast, just a blast. <laughs> um, you saw here just an introduction to a place that we have come to love. I have come to love for about the last 10 years and introduced Walt to it several years ago. Uh, and our worship and uh, leadership team has become familiar with it through the trainings that we've had. That place is called Holy Trinity Brompton Anglican Church in London. It's in an area of London called South Kensington. Knew nothing about London before I went. I've traveled all the world, but I've never been to London before. But uh, it's a bunch of little villages that were put together into one big city they now call London. And in South Kensington, as in the rest of London, the churches were dying, absolutely dying. You have St. Paul's Cathedral. You have uh, Westminster Abbey. You have all these places. Now, we see the royal wedding in Westminster Abbey, and it's packed. So we think, oh, well, they've got a lot of people there. On an average Sunday, St. Paul's Cathedral um, probably seats... Five, six, seven thousand people. On an average Sunday, they may have several hundred people in a service. So they rattle around like BBs in a boxcar. And that's what's happening in, in London and in many parts of the world. But at HTB, because of a fellow named John Alexander Kirkpatrick Miller. I bet you didn't know that, did you? We know him as Sandy Miller. And Sandy Miller, whose picture should be up here shortly, 
there's Sandy Miller. Sandy Miller came to Holy Trinity Brompton uh, in 1973 as the vicar. Uh, he had been a, a lawyer, and he came to Holy Trinity Brompton with a vision from God to take a church that was dying, dilapidated, no spirituality in the church at all, and transform it. Uh, we talk a lot about this guy named Nicky Gumbel, who actually started the Alpha course, and we're all familiar with him that have been in Alpha, but... And, and even Tony Blair in this little clip, I noticed he said it's Nikki. He went to Nikki Gumbel's church. Well, he didn't. He went to Sandy Miller's church. Sandy Miller went into a place that was like many of the churches that us, that us, that we have come from, uh, with pews, with organs, with stained glass windows, with people pompously dressed, with with uh, nothing happening, just dead. And he transformed that church into what it is today. Uh, God gave him the vision, and step by step by step, he was able to do that, removing the pews, putting in chairs. They still use the organ. It's a beautiful organ, a three-manual um, uh, organ, and they still use it with their praise music, but it's all praise music that they're using today. Um, Absolutely amazing story, and sometime we may have a, a time to tell you about that, but I want to give us an opportunity for both Walt and me to share with you. One of the reasons that I was so excited about Walt getting to go on this was that we have a very, we as a church, have a very localized uh, view of what Christianity is, of what spirituality is. We know what we do here. We know what takes place in our community around here. But man, that's, that's like the tip of the iceberg in terms of what's happening in the world. And some exciting things are happening throughout the world. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that we learned was the word globalization. A big word that just means, you know, Christianity is a lot more than just us. Probably the most happening country, continent in the world right now is Africa. The Christian faith is growing by leaps and bounds in the country of Africa. Something like 12,000 new Christians per day in Africa. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, there is this other term that we learned called transborder uh, transborder issues, things that are much bigger than just in your, your state or your country or your region. They go across borders to affect a much broader range of people than we expect to, to, uh, to affect. And there were one, two, three, four, five different things that uh, they, they told us on the very first day. Um, all involving the word rupture. The man that we were listening to, a fellow named Ken Costa, said that the world has been ruptured. It's broken. Our world is broken. And it's broken economically. We hear, even yesterday, news about Greece and about the euro may collapse and the U.S. dollar is, is declining and the banks are failing here, there, and yon. Economic rupture is taking place. Ecological rupture is taking place. 
Uh, one example would be last summer in the Gulf of Mexico with the oil spill, and how we think, oh, that's just the Gulf of Mexico down there. It affected everything that we do here, some in a good way, some in a not-so-good way. It affected the world globally in terms of oil production. Environmentally, we're ruptured. Earthquake and tsunami in Japan, way on the other side of the world. Right now, it's dark there when we're having light here. And we would think, what's that got to do with me here in Little River, South Carolina? But it has affected us and will continue to affect, affect us for time to come. Elective ruptures. Um, we're seeing what they call the Arab Spring take place throughout the Middle East, throughout uh, the Muslim world, just about all, all around the, the Mediterranean Sea on the, on the eastern side. Countries are in a turmoil, in a rupture, because they want to get rid of the dictator that they had. They don't know what's going to take the place of that dictator, but they're thinking, oh, it's got to be better than what we have now. Change is not always for the better, but we'll see where that one lands. And the last is ethical rupture. Our world is ruptured ethically. We can use names like Bernie Madoff. We can use names like uh, Anthony Weiner. Or we could use an, uh, the example of the IMF president that was arrested up in, in New York City. Those are global implications that take place. But you know what we learned? We learned that when the Spirit of God comes, it's obvious to all of us. When the Spirit of God comes, we can see it. So expect it. Expect that things are going to be in turmoil. Change has to take place. Some of this is good change. Be on the lookout for the positive. Be on the lookout for the opportunities that we have as Christ followers to further God's message in, in the world that we live in. Specifically about Alpha, today, as we, as we sit here in this church today, there are 50,000 Alpha courses running worldwide. That's a 17% increase over 2010. It's running in 169 countries there are 16.5 million people who have been through an Alpha course, just as some of you have been. So it's a global thing. I, I believe the figure is in India right now, today, there are 13,000 Alpha courses running in India alone today. Amazing. You'll hear more about Alpha um, if you hang around this church very long. We, we, don't, we don't worship Alpha. Alpha is a, uh, a way that we have chosen to reach out to the community. Uh, it's hard to explain Alpha in one sentence. Just know that it's about belonging before believing. Loving people, accepting people just as they are, just like Jesus did. He didn't say you have to get cleaned up you have to have your life in order. You can't be a sinner before you can come to me. He said, I'm accepting you just as you are. And that's all that Alpha is about. To try to reconnect, in many cases, with people that have been to church as youngsters, maybe never been to church at all, 
And we're inviting them to come and experience the love that Jesus Christ gives to us. That we aren't to just soak up and absorb, but we're to pour it out to the community. That's what Alpha is about. Walt, come and share with us a little bit here. This was actually my second trip to London, but my first trip was en route to Ireland, and so I uh, got a Coke in the airport and headed to Ireland, so that was my London experience. Um, so, so this was the first time I had spent any time in London, and, and first, first of all, I just want to share with you some of the things I learned that, uh, that were different in England than they are in the U.S., um, some things that were maybe a little surprising. You may know these. Um, I, I didn't know all of these before I went. Number one, chips are fries. Didn't know if you knew that. Biscuits are cookies. Uh, another thing that really kind of disappointed me a little bit was they don't have maple syrup. They put honey on their pancakes. And it was okay, but uh, I remember asking George, do you think they have maple syrup? He's like... Not unless they imported it from Canada. Um, their cappuccinos are amazing. Um, I don't normally drink cappuccinos, but I do now because, uh, wow, unbelievable. Those, that foam is like that thick, and I'm a barista for some of you that don't know that, but the foam is that thick, and you just sprinkle that brown sugar on top, and it's just, oh, my goodness. Anyway, um, sorry, cappuccinos after, afterwards for everybody. A tube is a subway. Didn't know that. Um, I, number six, I don't like Lebanese food. I found that out while I was gone. Um, I, you don't know this about George, but he's the kind of person that he sees like the most weird, exotic, strange restaurant, okay? And it'll be like some country that, you know, like Latvian food, you know? And he'll be like, let's go there. That looks really good. Um, and I'm thinking, okay. Um, so he enjoyed it, uh, me not so much. Uh, number seven, London is a hot spot for great Indian food. I didn't know that, but we had some excellent Indian food there. That was really good. Uh, number eight, they don't eat a lot of desserts. Um, that was bad for me, or maybe good for me. I'm not really sure. It depends on how you look at it. Um, not a lot of sweets there, which was unfortunate. And uh, number nine, they really do say mate and cheers. Um, I thought maybe that was just our caricature of them. Um, they really do. That's how they talk. Um, on, a, on a more serious note, uh, George shared a little bit about this concept of Alpha being so much more global than we think of. And, and for me, George had been to a couple Alpha conferences here in the States, and, and I guess maybe got a little bit of a taste of that. I, I knew intellectually that Alpha was going on in a lot of different places. But when you're there, and I don't know if you mentioned this, when you're there with 2,000 other people that are alpha leaders and pastors and, and things like that from 150 different countries, um, all in the same building, uh, Catholics, Protestants, Baptists, Methodists, Anglicans, non-denominational, which might have just been me and George, I'm not really sure, um, Presbyterians, you know, all, all of this kind of stuff, um, you begin to see that alpha has had an effect on on Christianity across the whole world. Um, I've got a couple things that I want to share with you. First of all, um, I was actually sitting in the garden at Holy Trinity, and I looked over, and I could hear uh, this, these two 
uh, gentlemen playing. One was uh, one was a, a white guy and one was a black guy. I know it's PC to say African American, but he wasn't African American. Um, he was African, and um, and the, these two African gentlemen, um, one white, one black, were sitting there talking. I, 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 I eavesdropped a little bit on their conversation, and I heard them talking about the racial disunity in South Africa, uh, in their country. And a few moments later, I looked up, and they were doing this, which I have a picture of. Um, they were uh, in that posture, uh, arm around each other, praying together for racial unity in South Africa and for the Holy Spirit to come in their nation to break down those barriers. Um, that was the Alpha Conference. I mean, that was what was going on while we were there. Another thing, I got an opportunity in one of the breakouts to meet a young lady from Finland who runs, uh, runs uh, the Alpha Course in Finland. I did not know, but um, the Lutheran Church is the state church of Finland. I didn't know that that, that actually, that they actually had that. Um, and she was just so desperate for revival in Finland. She said that the churches there were just dead and they wanted so badly for something to happen so that there could be life breathed back into those churches. And I thought, I think about like our Alpha courses or whatever. She was so excited because on their last course, five people came um, to their to their course. Uh, you know, we had 50 or so on the first one. I think we got around 20 on this one. Um, you know, and, and we take for granted that you do something around here and people show up. Um, it doesn't happen there. So she asked me, ended up, ended up seeing her a couple times, but she asked me the next time after one of the services, would, would I pray um, for sp some specific things in Finland? And I had my laptop with me, and my laptop has a camera on it, and I thought, you know, it would probably be better for, instead of me asking our church to pray for Finland, um, maybe she could ask our church to pray for Finland. And so her and two of her friends um, shared a little bit, and we've got a video. The sound quality is, is decent. You'll, you'll have to kind of tune in on, on that because I did film it on my laptop. Um, but, uh, but anyway, take, away, uh, take that away, Matt, and uh, show us our Finnish friends. Uh, hey, everyone. Um, I am uh, still here in London at the Alpha Conference. And just wanted to introduce you to some new friends of mine um, from the great country of Finland. And uh, we got a chance to, to chat a little bit about the church in Finland. Uh, this is Tina and Jenny or Jenny, if you're in the States, you would probably say Jenny, I guess. And then Mickey down here on the end. And uh, I just wanted, they had spoken, specifically Tina had spoken with me um, about how we could be praying for the church of Finland. And I thought it would be maybe better or more powerful for you to hear it from them instead of hearing it from me. So I'm going to let them take it away. Okay, so it would be really great if you could pray for us in Finland and um, especially for the Holy Spirit to come because we are very uh, rational uh, in Finland and we tend to think about things. And But what we would need really is that we feel the God's power and let him work uh, through us and in our church and make us a loving community. So it 
you could just pray for us that we could open up our hearts as a nation to the Holy Spirit and let God uh, work among us. And, al and also the youth who are very confused what to do, to go God's way or the other way, and yeah, all the youth. Um, so guys, can we uh, can we commit as a church um, to pray for Finland? And, and what what I guess you guys should know is uh, when we turn this video off here, I guess it'll be next week by by then. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be praying for for your country and, uh, and for you specifically that God would use you and. Uh, folks at church you can't see but but mom is over there uh holding the camera um mom from finland you can't see her but she's holding the camera over there um we're going to be praying for god to use all of you um, as a catalyst um, that the holy spirit can use to really just spark revival um, and please pray for us because a lot of the for same sure. things yeah. a lot of the same things you're saying are also true of the united states as well so um great to meet you guys thanks for being willing to to, to meet us through video. Of course. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you guys soon. Bye. In case you didn't uh, pick up everything that they were saying, um, basically she shared with me that Finland lacks heart. Um, they, they have a lot of intellect, a lot of reason, a lot of um, knowledge, uh, but there's no heart. And the, the second girl there said they're, that the, they'd like for us to pray for the confused youth in Finland. And I don't know if you caught the end, but I told them, pray for us, because that sounds a lot like the United States of America as well, um, some, some similar issues. So will you take a moment right now to pray with me for Finland? Uh, we, we made a promise to my friends, and uh, I'd love it if we could do that. So let's pray together. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just cry out to you on behalf of, of this nation uh, of Finland. Um, God, uh, we, we know uh, that, that you want to do a work in that country. We know that you want to break down barriers. You want to bring heart where there is a lack of it, that you want to um, not replace reason, but add heart to reason. And uh, we know that that heart comes from you, Holy Spirit. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to go and and work and move. I, I pray for my specifically my four friends um, that that you might use them as a catalyst to bring about these changes. Um, God, I believe you can take just one person, um, and here you've got at least four. Um, so just take these four people and use them in ways that they can't even imagine. And so, God, we cry out to you on behalf of this nation, um, and we pray uh, that you would move among the young people in Finland, that their hearts would be changed and turned towards you, um, that they would stop pursuing things that will never fulfill them, and that they would find you to be their fulfillment um, and, and the, the complete satisfaction of their heart. And, uh, God, we, we cry out and expect to hear um, waves and movements going on in that country, and we ask you this in the powerful name of Christ. Amen. I just wanted to share a few quotes with you from the week. I'll just blaze through these. I thought you might want to hear some of the things that, that I jotted down. Um, Pete Gregg, who's one of the pastors at HDB, says, when we become carriers of the gospel, we're not just a part of transforming one life, 
We're a part of transforming families, transforming communities, and transforming society itself. Uh, Ken Costa, who uh, George mentioned earlier, says, We are agents of cultural healing in the Spirit's power. Carl Martin from a, a Scottish church that shared with us said, find where the fire is and breathe oxygen on it. I thought that was a cool quote. Sandy Miller said, our, our theology is always affected by our experience, as he was talking about experiencing the Holy Spirit. He also said, every gift of God is received by faith and kept by obedience. I thought that was a powerful quote. Uh, Sandy Miller also said, he's a quote machine, trade your ministry for his ministry. John Stott was quoted as saying, vision is a deep dissatisfaction of what is and a clear understanding of what could be. And then finally, Nikki Gumbel, who we uh, have heard a little bit about, says, if you are controlling about who runs things, you won't have to be controlling about how they run things. Um, and I thought that was a good word for, uh, for leadership. Um, there's just a few questions I want to share with you uh, as, as we kind of come down to a landing here. Um, as I went throughout the week, there were several questions that I felt like God would have us ask as a church, um, as Renovation Church, based upon the things we experienced there. These are a few of the questions. Number one, what injustices, walls, barriers or chains does God want to use us to break in our community? Um, that's, that's one thing they talked a lot about was that, that following Christ is active. It's doing. Um, it's reaching out. It's, it's meeting needs. It's righting wrongs. It's breaking down racial barriers and prejudices. It's, it's, it's all these things. And so I think as a church, these are questions that we need to ask. Number two, what steps does God want us to take to bring unity to the body of Christ in the Grand Strand? Um, one thing that was really powerful to me, Nikki did a talk one night about, and he focused a lot on the unity in the church. And, uh, and I have to admit, in my past years, uh, I, might, I might have even contributed to the competitiveness that exists in the church. And there's no place for that. And I, I think that we need to begin to ask as a church, what role does God want us to play to bring churches together? The truth is, some churches don't want to be brought together, okay? And that's their choice. But what are we doing to connect with those churches in this community that, that do want to be brought together. And how do we do that? That's a, that's a tricky, sticky thing sometimes, but I believe it's the heart of God. Number three, uh, how can, this is just a practical thing, how can we maximize Facebook and Twitter to communicate our message without getting swept away in the social media wave? Basically, the question there is, how do we use social media without social media using us? Um, and they are big proponents at, with Alpha of social media. They use it a lot. Um, but they challenged us to use it, use it smartly, use it wisely, but, but don't end up being a Facebook, Twitter church where the only way you communicate with one another is digitally um, because then you lose that real sense of community. So you're going to be hearing us talk more about Facebook and Twitter, um, and we're even going to encourage maybe some of you that it would be a stretch to be on Facebook or Twitter to begin to give it a try because it's a great 
tool for the gospel. It's a way to get out the gospel to many, many people in a, in a quick, instant way. And we, we do need to use it and not let it use us, but we do need to use it. Um, because it is more and more becoming a way that our world communicates. And we can fight against it and be left behind, or we can use it in a godly way and use it to communicate what God is doing here and across the world. So you're going to be hearing a little bit more about that. Number four, um, and I'll give a, some, some clarification to this. What is the next step for us to drive younger and reach more zero to 29-year-olds? Now, the reason I say that, and HTB is very clear that they care about the older generation. It's not that they don't, but they understand that those zero to 29-year-olds are going to be the ones who are going to share the gospel for the next 50 years. And they are constantly asking, how can we get younger and younger and younger because just being honest the younger are the ones that are going to typically be here longer and so we want to figure out a way to reach them um, and, and let's be honest they're also the age bracket that's not in church and so they have their average age at holy trinity is 27 the average age of their church is 27 years old. And it is about as gothic and traditional looking, uh, you know, from the outside as anything you've ever seen. Um, but they are attracting young people in droves um, because of the changes that Sandy Miller made that George shared. And I, th I think it's interesting. I asked one of our older members who was uh, in, in her probably 60s, early 70s, tell me about renovation. What do you think? So it's just a real young church. You know, and I asked one of our uh, folks who's in his mid-20s, tell me about renovation. He said, uh, it's kind of an older church, you know. And so, you know, it's, it, I love that. I don't ever want to lose that. Um, but, uh, but even as we look around, that teenage and 20s bracket is the demographic that's not here in, in larger numbers. And so we need to begin to ask, how can we reach them? Because they're the ones, and I'm, I'm out of that bracket. I'm, I'm in my 30s now, so I'm out of that younger, younger bracket. But how can we reach um, more of those folks? And then finally, uh, if our youth are not staying, meaning going away to college, moving away for jobs, I mean, typically a person, not it happens, but for the most part, they graduate here, and they don't always end up living here, right? They, they move away. If they're going away, if they're not staying, how can we best prepare them to leave as missionaries to the next place they go? If, if we see the time frame that they have as training them to be sent to wherever they go next, to be, I don't mean the mission field, but if they go to college or they go get a job somewhere, how do we train them to be missionaries wherever it is that they, they go next? Um, finally, just two things I want to share with you as far as what God did in my life um, personally. Um, the first thing is that the first night we were there, uh, we went to the service. It wasn't part of the conference, but we went to the service at the church, and the speaker challenged us to uh, think about what it was that the Holy Spirit wanted to do in our lives. And 1 Samuel 15 popped into my head, and, and I'll just recap that real quick. Basically, it's just a time when Saul was the king of Israel. He had not done a really good job at that time, and uh, he was told to go in, wipe out this whole area, kill everything in there, and people, animals, don't keep anything. And he ended up keeping some of the livestock and some of the strongest of the people and this and that. And God confronted him through, uh, through the prophet and said, 
you did not follow my command. You kept a little bit, and I told you to get rid of all of it. And I felt like sin in my own life, I wanted to begin to deal with sin in my own life more in that way, that we don't just keep a little bit of it, but I just completely wipe it all out. I let God have it. Second thing um, was forgiveness. Uh, I felt like there was some forgiveness things in my past, specifically where it relates to church. Um, And I actually received prayer while I was there at the conference um, for the Holy Spirit to help me do some forgiving in my heart that I needed to do. And that was a powerful moment for me. And then number three, there were a couple times, I'm just being honest, and I'm one of the pastors here, so maybe I, you know, this might come as a surprise to you. There were a couple times while we were there that some of the things that they were uh, asking or doing or, or, or calling on the Holy Spirit to do, um, I was a bit uncomfortable with. Um, it, it wasn't uncomfortable like I thought it was wrong. It was just me in my comfort zone and not wanting to get out of it. But here's the thing. I trusted the heart of the leadership there. And so because I trusted them and I trusted their motives and their hearts, there's no hype there. There's no, you give $1,000 and you're going to be healed. Hallelujah. I mean, that's just not how they do things. It's we want the Holy Spirit to come and have his way. And I trusted that. So I was willing to be made uncomfortable because I trusted that they just wanted more of God. They wanted more of Christ. And so I just would love to see our church begin to maybe have a little bit of that attitude as well of going, you know what, I'm not completely comfortable, but I want more of Christ. And so I'm willing to be made uncomfortable a little bit in order to get that. I want to read with you um, from God's Word, Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 12. Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, he was attending a dinner at at a Pharisee's house. He said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And it goes on, um, in, in the next little section here, to Jesus explains in response to a question that he gives a, another one of his parables, and he says that um, um, the servants asked people to come, and they had all kinds of excuses why they couldn't come. I mean, they were probably decent excuses, but they were excuses why they could not come to the banquet feast. What I would like to encourage you as renovation people to do is to invite, invite. We've talked about this a couple of times since Easter. For those of you that are fairly new to us, before Easter we had one service, and this place was absolutely packed. I mean, we were, we were looking for chairs some weeks for people to sit in. And we knew that we couldn't go on that way because 
you can't invite anybody to come because you don't want them sitting on the floor. Uh, it's, it's an old principle that's been around in churches for years and years and years. Um, so we decided after prayer and discussion that we needed to have two services, one early, one late. We would split the crowd and we end up with what we have here. Well, what, it, what we were... <laughs> What the motive was, was to allow more empty chairs so that we could feel comfortable inviting somebody to come with us. That's what I want to encourage you today to do. Um, our aim is to reach the people who are not in the church through the people who are in the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Our, our aim is to have more no's and by that I mean, if we're not asking, we don't get any no's. If we ask, we may get a lot of no's. I can't come because it's at a bad time, or I, I, I sleep in on Sunday mornings, or I really don't like church, or it's too far. Or, you know, all the excuses that you can hear. If we don't ask, we won't get any of those excuses. But we also won't get any yeses. And the only way we're going to get yeses is to have more no's. Does that make sense? So I want us to, in the weeks to come, beginning with this week, make a concerted effort to have some no's. Ask some people. Ask lots of people. Invite lots of people to come. Um, Walt has talked a number of times about filling up the chairs and, you know, our idea is not to get big but to share this good news that we have with, with people. Success to me is when one person from renovation invites one person outside of renovation to come. That's success. It's a little thing. It's simple. Any one of us can do that. It's simple to do. What I'd like for you to do is remember when you first went to church, maybe not to renovation, but to church, who invited you? Chances are that you were invited. Unless you grew up in the church and your family just went, chances are you were invited. Well, who invited you? I'm going to encourage you to re-remember that time. How did you feel when somebody invited you? The person that you're going to invite is probably going to feel the same way. Why do we not invite folks to come to our churches as Christians? Well, I, th I think one of the reasons is that we are, we're kind of uh, conditioned, would be a good word, we're kind of conditioned by our experiences. And none of us has had an experience of exponential growth in a church. You look at Acts, the book of Acts, they had exponential growth. It was expected. It was expected that the church was going to grow. We don't really expect that. We just sort of think, oh, well, let's go to church today. See the same people we've always seen. You know. Expect the unexpected. If you get a no, yeah, that means rejection. But I want you to understand that rejection is one of the tenets of being a disciple. Jesus was rejected, was he not? 
we may be rejected as well. And maybe if we, if we aren't inviting folks, it tells us that we don't have any friends. <laughs> and by that I mean friends outside the church, any non-Christian friends. Um, there's a principle called the minute principle. Think about how many minutes in a week you spend face-to-face -face with somebody who is not a Christian. And I'm going to challenge you, starting this week, to double that. And if it's zero, then to increase it to one or something, you know. But double the amount of time you spend face-to-face -face with non-Christians and see what will happen. One of my main reasons for going to uh, the conference was to pick up on what they call Relationship Central. Um, Holy Trinity Brompton is about a whole lot more than Alpha. Alpha is just one of the things. Another couple there named Nikki and Scylla Lee have come up with a marriage course that was started about 15 years ago. Uh, we are in this church right now running the marriage course. You're not really aware of that, but uh, I mentioned it back Easter time, and we had some folks sign up, and we have couples that come to our house every Thursday night for the marriage course. We're about to finish this course, and we will start another one in the fall. I think the thing that you need to know about the marriage course is it's not designed for people whose, whose marriages are in trouble. It's not about troubled marriages, though it works well with troubled marriages. It's to help all of us to have some tools to incorporate into the marriages that we have to make them even more healthy and stronger. So that's the, the first thing. We will be offering that later. And, oh, by the way, the, the marriage course, we learned that the conference was just authorized by the government of Red China to be translated into Chinese to be used throughout the country of China because their marriages are in shambles. They want healthy, happy marriages in China. Go figure. And they want to use this course to train their people in how to have better marriages. The other uh, new thing, this is really the reason that I went to London, was for the parenting course. There are two tracks to this. One is, as they say, naught to 11 years old, and the other is 12 to 18 years old. Uh, two different tracks of parenting. And we will be offering this once the materials are out this fall as well. So any of you that have young people that fall in that category, um, or think you may at some point have young people that fall into that category, uh, this will be a tool that, that we can use for you as well. I've got some other things here that I'm not going to share with you. Opportunities, opportunities for us here at Renovation. First of all, the Summer Alpha course has two more weeks that you can come. You can, you can actually come on the course, and then we're too far along in the course for you to get started. So tonight at 5 o'clock or next week at 5 o'clock, you can come, and you can come and bring somebody. You don't, we'd love to have your reservation on the little Alpha card that Stephen told you about. And yes, it is yellow. It is yellow. Uh, and he really is colorblind. 
Um, but this week it's yellow, so you chose well. Uh, you can sign up on those and, and come for the next two weeks. July the 13th, the Ruth study starts for women. Uh, I believe that's a Wednesday night here. July 17th, we're going to have a, a special time. It'll be Baptism Sunday here at Renovation Church. We've had a lot of people that have indicated they wanted to be baptized. So we're going to make that available for you. We will have some teaching training leading up to that on July the 5th and July the 7th. You'll get more in information about that. I would like to ask, we've, we've kicked, Walt and I have talked a lot about this, uh, we've kicked around different ideas. I would like to ask if anyone has a large container that we could use as a baptismal pool that we could put in here for that Sunday. Uh, I've seen, it doesn't have to be elaborate, doesn't have to be fancy. I don't want to blow up pool because I have, I have horrors of that thing breaking and everybody's involved in the baptism that didn't want to be. But um, a hard-sided pool, I've seen uh, horse troughs used, I've seen bathtubs used. I, it, you know, if it could be a little bigger than that, that would be fine. But if you, if you, if you have something like that or know where we can get something like that, contact Walter me and we will, we will uh, um, try to make that happen. We, that will be the 17th of July. Our partnership course, some of you may call this membership, we call it partnership course, will be um, the end of July, 1st of August. We've kept putting this off um, because we really wanted to determine who the folks were that were going to be in the partnership course. You can sign up once again on your Connect cards for that. Um, thank you again for allowing us the opportunity to go and represent Renovation Church. There's a lot of people throughout the world that know about Renovation Church now. Um, we don't have a denomination. And, and Walt and I both said, we've never been to a denomination meeting, you know, praise the Lord. Um, but we felt like this Alpha Conference was our denominational meeting. We came back from there from having been with a whole bunch of people, almost 2,000 people that were on the same page as us. And they, they looked different because they were yellow and brown and black and white and every, every other color that you could have, all there for one purpose, and that is to spread the good news about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So thank you for allowing us to do that. We've got the last video, Matt, if you can show that, please.